0: This is the show you've been waiting for. It's the preview of the American Association and a dozen other news topics that will fill up a large portion of time here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. We are back again. Episode number 69. It's nice to be here
1: it is nice to be here and it's good to be back this week
0: yeah, i know it's we finally got back to our uh, usual cast of characters again i thank will for filling in uh, on the last minute notice last week it's much appreciated but yep, uh, absolutely but with that much said we do have a uh, an awful lot to get to as you heard in the opening of this uh of this show topics ranging from the atlantic league could you MILB to all sorts of other things like leagues getting going and of course the at the end of the show we will have our uh, American Association preview which they got going mm-hmm. last night and obviously they have their free trial their streaming services all week but we'll get on, get on to all that in uh, just a little bit here so uh, I suppose with that we shouldn't bury the lead and the big news here is after announcing that they were going to attempt to play this year with three teams and then adding a few more teams uh, the decision was made to just pull the plug on the season for the Atlantic League in 2020 uh, the call was made on Tuesday after High Point originally had dropped and then Southern Maryland dropped and then because uh, I believe there was issues with Long Island and the reopening and which was the same yep. problem with High Point uh, they decided also to drop which effectively uh, cancelled the 2020 season and then you know obviously it's been kind of a domino effect from there so unfortunate news there but uh, not much to do if you can't get it going
1: yeah no it is unfortunate news i mean it obviously as we've talked about many times throughout the these covid months uh you know logistically this is one of the hardest things that uh, any league has ever had to deal with you know obviously we, we you know we talked about it a little bit how uh, and i think i brought it up that it was To me, it was kind of strange to begin with. The plan that the Atlantic League put out seemed very, uh, you know, not Atlantic League-like in in many ways. Light on details, uh, light on, you know, really a lot of concrete solutions to some of the bigger issues that we talked about. Um, And so, you know, it was interesting to see that finally... And unfortunately, you know, this uh, this was the end to it all. So, I mean, it really puts into perspective what the American Association is doing and how just lucky we are to be having any type of baseball at this point. I mean, obviously, some good games last night. um, And I just think that, you know, it's unfortunate the Atlantic League season isn't going to run, but it's the same fate as the Frontier League and the same fate as uh, MILB and some other. Uh, you know, leagues that just don't have the uh, ability to make it work at this point.
0: It is unfortunate. Like you said, it was a bit odd when they first announced everything. And I was kind of expecting it to be, okay, if anything, you know, wouldn't be Southern Maryland this year, or it certainly wouldn't be High Point. And then when it turned out, it wasn't Somerset, which I thought was like the most slam dunk of them all to play, given the current status of everything in New Jersey. And I would have thought maybe we'll see the two Pennsylvania teams as well. And we'll see just kind of a local three state league and you'll be smaller, certainly. But maybe they'll add a couple of teams from local and have something going there. But uh, when Somerset wasn't involved in those plans, I did find it a bit odd. I mean, plus, like you said, it was definitely hard to make it work. I mean, it's a lot of travel, even if like we discussed last week or I must discuss last week on the show. Even if you were to add a Rockland and a New Jersey and a Sussex to that mix, great, that helps out I suppose Long Island, but you still have to travel to Maryland, you still have to travel to North Carolina, and I imagine it was a mixture of the states now reopening quicker, so I suppose directly linked to the recent uptick in COVID, uh, I suppose that was a major factor in all of this really, but more than that, too, I think it was just really hard logistically to work it all out. You have to really look at it like this. Is each team in a position where they'll realist- realistically be able to play all of their home games, All I believe it was 30 home games, without any sort of incident, with the potential to see just an increase in attendance numbers or are we going to get to the point where they're going to have to shut things down or play without fans and then are they going to be able to keep you know all the players and stuff quarantined and if you're not able to keep them quarantined when they're not playing or working out then what are you going to do how are you going to handle all this thing and like you said it just really wasn't that concrete together and does say something that the american association is able to get off the ground and well there was a bit up and down there and i i have my theories about that that i'll go into more detail about them and all that when we get to the actual preview section. I so far it seems to be been going uh all right. I want to say great, but uh, certainly not terrible.
1: Well, it's going, right? That's, yeah. I think that that's the start. It's it's doing anything at all. Um but yeah, no, obviously like you hit the nail on the head with the Atlantic League gets it was a difficult situation and it, you know it seems that 2021 hopefully covid will be really under control. And then we can start to move forward and and get the Atlantic League and the Frontier League back. Um, And it would, you know, obviously, the one thing I will say is that it's a missed opportunity for those Frontier League teams. You know, I thought it could have been a real chance for, you know, a Sussex or a New Jersey to really hook their teeth in, or even especially Rockland, which obviously New York, but, um, you know, to really hook their teeth in uh, to, you know, the possibility of a long term Atlantic League partnership if not you know some kind of an agreement um that maybe at some point gets them into the league i've uh, you know i think that is a missed opportunity for those uh teams um but overall i think what we've seen is the unfortunate reality of where we're, we're at in 2020 and you know like you said it's not gone off without a hitch but the American Association was able to put a product on the field, and you know, you had two thousand people. You know, most of the games, you know, hair under was like uh, I think it was like nineteen hundred um, mm. people at um, at most of those games. So you know, I mean, it's a start, and that's all you can ask for and hope for at this point. But it really a shame with the Atlantic League, and hopefully uh, they'll be back stronger and uh, ready to go next year.
0: Yep, I know one thing I have heard that. It wasn't so much, uh, because Rockland's wanted to be in the Atlantic League. That's not much of a secret. But I yeah. do know, I or like, I don't want to say I know, but I have heard that supposedly the issue with that is the Atlantic League not necessarily wanting Rockland. Now, I'm not sure how much I buy into that. I'm not sure what the factors would be for that. Obviously, I'm, the whole construction behind that ballpark had some some complications with it so maybe that has something to do with it although that was you know well over 10 years ago that that got going now so I would be kind of surprised if it was but even still I'm it's a bit surprised that Rockland's not a team that they're looking at now maybe maybe if they have an issue maybe if let's say because we heard Somerset may be leaving for affiliated baseball and we kind of think that uh, Sugarland may be leaving for affiliated baseball as well we know Gastonia is coming in next year to the Atlantic League maybe if they need a filler team maybe then you know Rockland goes to its third team in three years or third league in three years and they uh, wind up joining the Atlantic League to fill that gap who knows but it's something that's interesting and yeah there's there's been hitches and whatnot but uh, the american association is getting going and i'm looking forward to 2021 where we're going to have again a whole host of uh baseball options obviously somerset's still looking into their league and a lot of these kind of more individual team-centric leagues like the one out in washington pa and sugarland and juliet and then florence and all that we're gonna we're gonna discuss them today sure but Today's show is mainly about that preview that we're going to get to at the end of it, so we're going to go into more detail about those leaks. Next week, when more information comes out about them, I know a lot of those leagues—they're announcing uh, rosters, they're announcing uh, schedules, plans, all that sort of thing—and they start playing everything uh, next week. So yeah. it'll be it'll be more uh, it'll be better to talk about them next week when there's less going on too. So uh,
1: it will, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. And the one point I did want to make is just you know, and, and I think the reason that I meant that uh, New York uh, Rockland had kind of missed an opportunity is only because e- if the Atlantic league didn't want them right. I mean, uh, but the Atlantic league did end up, um, you know, bringing them into the fold uh, in any way um, for this season under any circumstances, I think it would have been an opportunity to, to show that they're an Atlantic league team and, you know, kind of have meshed and made that work. So I think that could have been a, a possible, moment for them uh and so i think that's a little bit of a missed opportunity for Rockland, or even for a team like uh sussex county which probably doesn't have the capacity stadium wise to be uh, an atlantic league team but um i, I think it would is a well-run enough organization that could have benefited um in some ways by playing one season in a you know kind of different looking atlantic league and playing under that banner would have been uh, helpful maybe but is, you know, that's, uh, we could only dream, and it didn't happen, so uh, we're, we're on to next and on to 2021.
0: Yep, and uh, look, with Sussex, I kind of put them in the New Britain tier, which I'll touch on them too, because actually, uh, who would have thought the first Atlantic League team to play in 2020 would have been New Britain? Of all yeah, the teams. right. <laughs> yeah. But I put them in that kind of tier, where it's like the stadium, it's good for what it is. It can host you know, a certain level, but it's not an Atlantic League stadium. No disrespect to it, it's good for the Frontier League, it's good for the Can-Am, it's good for for what it's used for, but for the Atlantic League, I don't really think it's up to the tier that they kind of, I don't want to say expect, but the kind of tier that they court. And more than that, too, they have attendance issues in the Can-Am. I'm not sure if that would get better if you have a better quality of play, but I just feel like it'd be one of those, Kind of awkward fit type things. Although I would have liked to see them get the chance to, you know, prove me wrong. But either way, it, it's a stable enough team. It works for where it is, and you know, hopefully everybody comes back and we have quality Frontier League baseball in 2021. And we have quality Atlantic League baseball, 2021. But yeah.
1: That, yeah. that would be awesome, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens in this, cra- these crazy times.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I just want to touch on New Britain real quick because they had a sellout crowd, which I think was uh, 1,500. So 1,500. And, yeah. uh, I just was looking at, I was like, this is kind of sad, but I'm happy for them at the same time, where they sold out and had arguably better attendance for a, for, the, for a future collegiate baseball league game, which, from what I understand, is not one of the top collegiate leagues. Uh, ah. It's kind of like a... I don't want to say second tier, but it's kind of a second tier collegiate league. And big tier? Yeah, they're... Uh, Let me put to you like this. If you get one major leaguer out of the current crop, that's a very good showing for them. Okay. And uh, if you get... A handful of you know career double and triple a guys pretty good job most of these guys uh, from my understanding from what i hear from people that like kind of looked into this league i didn't do too much research into it uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that are here it's more like they want a league to play summer ball in but they want to keep their college eligibility and then a handful of them may wind up, uh, going to play indie ball for a couple of years. That's the, the kind of level of play we're, we're looking at here. Uh, so if you're selling out for that, the, my main point here is it's not the same quality as Atlantic League play. No. So you're seeing worse, objectively worse baseball in a pandemic with a limited capacity and an extremely altered fan experience. And you do a better showing crowd wise than you would for uh, the same circumstances with higher quality and less, you know, pandemic going on and a better experience. Essentially, something that's more suboptimal did better than something that is, well, more optimal, which I yeah, just find that it's funny.
1: It's funny, and it's it's, I mean, it's it's sad, you know, in a way, like you said, for the fans that were, you know, there was a group of fans there that were really ardent uh, supporters of New Britain, and uh, it's a shame that the you know, they didn't get the same type of community support that now when they were in the Atlantic League, you know, so. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, hopefully that means I get to keep some form of baseball in New Britain. I mean, like, hopefully that's a good sign there. Now, again, I'm not sure if that's just due to there being like this large, you know, backlog of people wanting to get out and do stuff. I know uh, there's a handful of people from New Jersey that even went up there to see a, a baseball game because they just wanted to see something live. So maybe that's part of the reason they did as well. Maybe not. Who really can say? Yeah. All I'm saying is it's, it's a very odd situation that that all happened. But good for them that it happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly good for them that, that they're, uh, they're, they're doing something positive there. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll continue to do it. And maybe they'll get themselves back into a, uh, a situation where they could be in indie Ball again.
0: Yeah, Hopefully. But uh any case, we are going to discuss uh, a handful of those kind of minor leagues I mentioned just a minute ago, Are kind of minor, lesser indie ball teams. The ones that are based on one stadium, basically. Uh, and the first one of those is Sugarland. We've been following them. And apparently it's now the uh Constellation Energy League. So the corporate sponsor of the stadium, they get the naming rights to this league. We have our final manager got announced, and we also got the the pool of players and team logos and all that jazz uh so we'll kind of go through that now i'll start with the manager because i was announced first and that is a name that will be familiar to a lot of uh kind of local tri-state baseball guys uh yep. dave island is oh, the yeah. final manager uh met fans will remember him as the pitching coach for the past two years was a yankee coach for a while played for the yep. yankees as a player for a while uh, he's also with the Royals for when they won the World Series too so uh, familiar name a guy's been around baseball for a while. Obviously I didn't get what I wanted last week which was uh, to get AJ Hinch in that final spot just for the for the shits and gigs of it but you know I'll take Dave Island it's an impressive get it's another major league uh, caliber guy so it's it's gonna be very interesting to see.
1: It is going to be very interesting to see, and yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I I was all in on the A.J. Hinch train with you there, but unfortunately, not A.J. Hinch, but again, this is impressive. They've gotten, you know, some really big names, you know, Roger Clemens, obviously. Obviously, there's that connection there from the past, but Dave Island, this is a big get. I mean, you're talking about, you know, really big names, and this is going to be a good league, I think, and this is going to be one of those things that's kind of a silver lining for the people down there in Sugar Land who are going to get some form of baseball, even if it's not what is exactly the uh the best form you know it's not obviously they'd rather have the atlantic uh league in there but you know what this is a start for them and hey i'd rather uh rather have dave island as my coach than uh anybody else you know in terms of not have you know somebody with major league experience and and things like that
0: yeah i mean given the circumstances dave island's a pretty pretty good get there and and like i said it's a it's still an impressive talent pool i mean you have i think it was 13 major leaguers that was uh that are going to be a part of that. Even guys that were as recent playing in the league in the majors last year, Yeah, 13 former major leaguers, it's a lot of uh, Atlantic League guys too. I know Craig Maskey's down there. A guy who did very well in the Can-Am last year, and Tucker Nathans is down there. Uh, arguably the best name in baseball, Brooks Pounders is down there. Um, <laughs> you have uh, Chuck Taylor who's down there too. He was around in the uh, American Association last year. Now he's down there. Kelly Dugan, who was in Lancaster last year, is there. There's a whole list of guys. Like Gavin Ciccini, A mech fans will remember Gavin. Uh, He's down there as well. There's a whole slew of guys. Uh, The list will be linked in our show notes, of course. And we'll go through the rosters and everything next week as they're supposed to be announced in the beginning part of uh, this upcoming week there. But uh, with that said, we're going to run through the managers for each team and the team names. Uh, Logos, again, also linked in the show notes, so you can take a look at them. Uh, I will say, though, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of logos and everything. That's one area where they didn't do uh, the best of jobs. We will have the the Skeeters proper, coached by Pete Incagnilia. That was kind of a given. Uh, Team Texas, which logo looks basically like the the Texaco star. If you're familiar with that, just look up a uh, Texaco mm-hmm. gas station logo. It's basically that. Uh, mm-hmm. That will be coached by the Roger Clemens, Corey Clemens duo. Uh, presumably, his other son will be picked up by the Clemens team, although I'm really hoping he's not. I'd love to see him have to pitch against his dad and his brother. I think that'd be great. That would uh, be great. Uh, then we have the Lightning Sloths, which arguably is the best name, and that is a sloth on a lightning bolt. Mm. That will be coached by Greg Swindle. and Currently, I'm thinking the Lightning Sloths are going to be my team in this league, although I want yeah. to look at the rosters and everything first. And then we have the Reyes del Tigres, which is basically... An MS Paint Tiger with a uh, Joe Exotic wig on it. I think that's Uh really the best way to do it. So they're really jumping on a trend there. And that will be the Dave Island. I would give nothing more than to see Dave Island wear a wig that is just a bleach blonde mullet. I think that would be just (laughs) terrific for comedy effect.
1: Joe Exotic wig. (laughs) That's what I want to see on Dave Island.
0: I don't see how it could get better than that. Then, like we said, uh, this league will have its full rosters announced for each of the four teams on the 6th. So, as uh, that uh, on Monday, they will be announced. And then they will play 56 games. Of course, the league was supposed to start this Friday, so right before 4th of July. But it got pushed back a week uh, due to the COVID spike around the Houston area. So, that's the business there. But like we were saying, this league does look like uh, something to be very interested in. Uh, there's some high-quality talent, both on the yeah. coaching staff. And on the player side of things, it's ran by one of the better leagues and in independently, or better teams in independent league baseball organizationally speaking. And uh, there's a lot to be intrigued about here. Uh, I'm not totally sure on the streaming details. I assume they'll be streaming these games. It would make sense to do so. At least I hope they do because I'd love to be able to tune in for some of these games. Maybe not the full uh, 56, but certainly tune in for uh, 20 or so of these games.
1: I mean, I want to see some lightning sloth baseball.
0: I mean, like how I personally, I think if they're streaming it, uh, I'll figure out some way to do a kind of a live oh. audio broadcast of lightning sloth baseball because it, you just gotta you gotta be around people to truly appreciate lightning sloth baseball experience. Uh, in some this way. this is what
1: the people need. This is this will help them to get through the COVID, man. This is a lightning sloth baseball. I want to know if they're going to be going to be doing some merchandise because I, I I might need to get myself a little lightning sloth hat.
0: I mean, like I'd be down for a lightning sloth T-shirt. I'm I'm not going to lie. I mean, hell, like I said, I personally I think when we get another expansion team in any of these leagues, lightning sloths should be on the table.
1: I, I think they should be. I think absolutely, Gastonia lightning sloth.
0: I mean, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, could you you do better than Lightning Sloths? No, you can't do better than Lightning Sloths. Come on. Uh, Some other leagues that are opening up... We have the United Shore Professional Baseball League. We had their director of operations on a couple weeks back now. I think almost a month ago now. Uh, So Mm -hmm. they've been lobbying very hard to get open and playing games. And they're finally at the point where they are able to play games. I believe only season ticket holders were allowed in and maybe some uh, corporate partners as well. So they are playing games. That is good to know. Uh, They got going again last night. So July 3rd, they had their opening games you can watch these games on youtube they're streamed there all the information is on their website Uh, we have that also linked in the show notes of course And, uh, of course, like I said, with all these leagues, we're going to go over in much, much detail next week, of course. But uh, we don't want to take up too much time on this other news here. Uh, Also, we have uh, the Juliet League that's starting up in the next 10 days. I believe that's the 10th or the 15th. I'm not 100% certain. I'm pretty sure it's the 10th, though, uh, for their kind of challenge cup series thing. Uh, Then the kind of surprising news here is Florence announced their plans to play. We knew they wanted to play. We knew they were going to play. We didn't know what they were going to do, though. And they yeah. are intermingling with MILB. They are going to play a kind of mini, uh, almost, I guess, World Cup-style league against the Lexington Legends. They're kind of uh, Spanish heritage or Latin heritage night team. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that, though. And then the fourth team in the league is the revival of the Florence freedom so we'll have a 14 league based out of florence i believe they call it the battle for the bourbon road and it's going to be interesting to see uh, there's not too much information there we know it's going to start on the 31st of july and run for i believe it was about five weeks there so it's going to run mainly through uh all of August and the first week of September. The schedule is linked in the show notes as well as all the information we have on that as of now. And again, that's a league that will get more information on it next week. Uh, With that said, uh, only other little bit of news here we have to cover is, uh, in case you're wondering what's the deal with the Frontier League tryout that the Otters and the Slammers were doing, that's cancelled. See the league for more information if you put a deposit in on that front try and get your money back or get credited towards next year whatever suits you better uh direct your questions to the league about that they're good about answering questions like that and then uh the the largest piece of news i guess too that could have also been a lead in a sense that dropped this week it came out that apparently now milb players will be allowed to play in indie ball with the permission of their parent club uh I'm not totally sure how that affects pay in their 2021 status, but if you're not on the 60-man roster, you're free to sign with an indie ball team. So uh, make of that what you will.
1: Uh, I will make of it that indie ball is going to be getting a lot of influx of talent, and the, you know the uh, the American Association has just uh, you know anything they can get anybody they want at this point. It seems uh, they can snap their fingers and get some. Get some guys. So it's, it's really, you know, a lot of these little leagues too that each the individual teams are doing. These are going to be really good. You know, Sugarland, and you talked about all the ones you talked about are going to be really good. And Somerset, like you, we said earlier, has got a little something going on. And you know, so I think they're going to wind up being some really good, uh, really good teams, really good leagues uh, that are within, you know, each of these little little things here. Just because, you know, obviously it's something that. Uh, you know, when you have this just large talent pool, it's amazing when you can pull out and you might get some really big names that are minor league prospects that just don't have the, uh, you know, that aren't on the 60 man roster.
0: Yeah, no, it, this is what's really exciting to me is you have this huge opportunity to have really some of the best minor leaguers around play in these independent leagues. You don't have an Atlantic league this year. So those guys are going to go off to other leagues. I think, uh. Leidendorf just wound up in chicago i didn't see him uh added to the roster until yesterday though so he's not really factored into a lot of our preview stuff here just because i didn't have time to update all the rosters and everything but uh regardless you have talent like that just from an independent level that's going to these other kind of minor pop-up leagues as well as the american association then you have guys who i mean i'm, I'm expecting it's mostly AA and lower guys and not you know the are really your top 50 prospects in your org that are going to be in these leagues. But even still, there's some really talented ball players out there that may have an opportunity now to go and play for the summer and do something here. Now, I'm not sure yep. how many leagues or how many teams are going to be signing off on their players, you know, going and playing in some other league for no profit for them and risking injury. I'm not sure if I was a GM, I would co-sign on that. But, you know, it's still i know a handful have already done something like that so it'll be very interesting to see how that all shakes out
1: it will be yeah it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out and yeah no i mean i wouldn't uh i don't know if i was my with my big players if i would do it but also you might want to do it because you might not want to have the guy uh you know get rusty and then take a whole year off
0: yeah it's a double it's definitely a dual-edged sword there where like you said you don't want them sitting for that long and then just only so many drills and so much practice you can do there's nothing that really makes up for live game reps and then there's the other edge where it's like well if i have a pitcher do i really want to risk them throwing their arm out in an indie league game in you know like somerset new jersey where i'm not getting any sort of benefit from it you know i mean like could it get worse especially as a player too i've If I was already in a major league organization, which is what a lot of these guys at ball are trying to get to, then do I want to risk pitching in the Juliet Challenge Cup, risk getting uh, some sort of UCL tear and having to get Tommy John and just kind of being done here? Or am I better off taking that risk and not sitting stagnant and possibly hurting myself come the offseason when we already know... There's going to be 40 teams more than likely that are going to be cut from uh, the MILB system, too. It's a lot to. It's a lot that's really happening that's interesting here. And I will say this much. We're shaping up to have some very interesting times coming up in Independent League Baseball. So I'm very curious to see what happens next, both off the field and, of course, on the field. There's a lot of talent anyway that these MILB guys go uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And it'll just be—it'll be—it's it, a—it's an interesting time for us to be covering this because I think independent league baseball and minor league baseball in general is uh, going to be in a state of flux uh, in the next couple of years.
0: Exactly, it's going to be interesting to see how the cards align. Who knows? Maybe when we get to the off season, if we have a week where we can't get an interview or something, uh, we may have to do a redux of our super league or super indie league plan that we did a, a couple months back who knows that maybe something that will be back on the table when we get more information and whatnot out there but uh, yeah yeah all right so i suppose now we're a half hour in on the show uh we have the big piece of resistance you know what you've all probably came here for which is uh-huh. our american association preview for 2020 i will warn here that this was started about two weeks ago that I started doing the preview here. As far as I know, they are up to date as far as July 1. I made notes in the Google Sheet stock I made as far as team averages and average player per team go as to who was factored in on that, who wasn't factored in on that, who's still on the teams, who's not on the teams. All that information is as up to date as possible. However, uh, we'll get into the actual team-by-team team discussion and breakdown after. We give you a breakdown of the league itself, its general principle here. So, the American Association Preview for 2020. Uh, Just some basic league information here. We're going to have a 60-game season. That season started yesterday, July 3rd, and it will conclude on the 10th of September. Obviously, pending COVID for all of these things. Uh, If it spikes or gets too bad, then they'll have to cut things short. If it stays as it is or gets better, then, you know, it stays the way it is. There's going to be a one-round playoff. It will be a best-of-five. And that will run from the 12th of September to as late as the 17th of September with the top two teams in the league making that uh, championship series. Uh, There's no divisions or anything like that this year, so it's just straight up the best two uh, teams this year. Uh, There is four hub cities that teams will be based out of. However, that could go up to six. I'll explain that in a minute. As of right now, our four hub cities are Franklin, Wisconsin, which will play host to the Milwaukee Milkmen; the Chico- uh, technically Rosemont, Illinois, which will play host to the Chicago Dogs; uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which will play host to the Sioux Falls Canaries and Saint Paul Saints; and the Far- and Fargo, North Dakota, that will play host to the Fargo Moorhead Red Hawks and the Winnipeg Goldeyes. Uh, I say it could go up to six are really technically five because I don't see there being really any way we're going to pick a play at home this year. But yeah. uh, St. Paul could, in theory, play games out of St. Paul again should they get governmental clearance. And then, well, we'd have five hub cities and most teams would be playing out of their home ballpark. So that's good news there. Uh, you may have noticed I only named St. Paul, Winnipeg, Fargo-Moorhead, Sioux Falls, and sh- Chicago and uh, Milwaukee. That's because only six teams will compete in the league this year. The other six teams, uh, Claiborne Rail Riders, Texas Air Hogs, Lincoln Salt Dogs, Kansas City T-Bones, and Gary South Shore Rail Cats due to the pandemic, and just due to the current setup of everything, we're unable to make it work this year, so they will not play in 2020. However, they all plan a triumphant return for the 2021 season. So far, what do we have to say about that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think obviously the way the league is structured, we've talked about it before, is good. Um, There's a lot of Really good players in there, from some from Frontier League, some Atlantic League guys. Obviously, some guys who are already in the American Association. Um, we'll get to that in one second, I'm sure. But you know, it's just overall, uh, this is the best thing that they could do. This is the best plan moving forward. We've talked about it structurally. It's probably the the way to go. Um, and it's it, it worked out last night as we saw. We had baseball for the first time in in months, and so. I mean, it's a good start, and, you know, I think that the way this is structured allows the best opportunity to play all the games, but it's one of those things where, again, you had almost 2,000 people in the ballpark uh, last night in, in one of these ballparks. I forget which which game it was that I read the attendance for, um, almost, 19, you know, over 1,900 fans, and so, you know, obviously that's great for, uh, the teams, they want that. They need that. They need to have that decent uh, attendance. But the question is, ha- is that a sustainable thing uh, during these COVID times?
0: Exactly, and that's a very good question to pose. I mean, we both agreed uh, Hub cities probably made the most sense, although at first we were kind of wondering how that would actually work, and obviously there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, it's a lot of making sure players are following uh the proper preventative instructions and guidelines and all of that. And like you said, I think the biggest question here is how long is that interest going to last? I mean, most teams had a pretty solid uh, opening day. You know, they're going to have a lot of attendance because a lot of people are just, you know, they want to get out, they want to do something. And baseball seems like a good environment to do something in. But when we start getting into the end of July, when we get into August, if things get worse, are we going to see as many people come out? I'm sure today or the first opening week or the first couple of weeks, most people will be pretty willing to follow the guidelines. You know, the social distancing, the wearing the masks, the hand sanitizing, the, the current setup here. But as the summer goes on, how much are people going to follow that? Uh, so right. what what are we looking at here for uh, COVID numbers? I said I'd mention, you know, I've seen or I had a theory I posted on Instagram uh, uh, earlier this week where I said, I wonder if this inactive slash reserve list is a fancier way of saying the COVID list because I heard that five players from one team had all tested positive in spring training and that they were going to be placed on, you know, the kind of COVID list. And then lo and yeah. behold... a About 48 hours later, Winnipeg puts five guys on there. So I was like, okay, that seems to have been true. And then I had some people reach out saying, no, no, they're not using the inactive list like that. I'm on one of the teams. I, you know, that's not what we're doing. And then I had other people reach out and go, yeah, that's what the reserve list is for. It's basically a COVID list. And obviously, we won't know one way or the other until the guys that were placed on an inactive list or a reserve list are activated again so who knows where that is but again i do wonder how many positive tests becomes too many positive tests and what's going to be the process as far as quarantining someone if they test positive for this virus during the season are we going to be saying okay uh we got to quarantine this team for two weeks because i mean at that point you might as well just take them out of the league i mean it's a 60 game schedule you miss 13 14 games you know you miss a third of your season
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just to me, it's 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 ins- it's just a, a really difficult situation. Uh, You know, obviously, overall, it'll be hard to see what happens with that list and what happens when, you know, I mean, it's going to happen. There are going to be players who are going to get COVID. No doubt. There's not there's not a doubt in my mind. And the question is, what do you do? Do you shut a team down? What happens if that team comes into contact with the other team, you know, what, what are the logistics of this? I think that's an important thing for them to iron out moving forward.
0: Absolutely. And I, I'm sure at some point in the COVID plan, this is drawn out. Uh, I need to revisit that plan and go into more detail about that plan. And obviously, uh, the plan is uh, kind of a living document. It's going to get altered and changed as things go on. And while that plan may be effective for, say, if 10 people test positive, is it going to be just as effective if 25 or 30 test positive? So, And also, obviously, time duration. If you have 25 people to test positive from, you know, the 4th of July to the 10th of September, no, it's not that bad, you know. It's pretty pretty good, I'd say. If it's 25 people from the 4th of July to the 14th of July, okay, well that's much different. Uh, it's much worse. We'll have to see how that shakes out there. As far as what happens to the players signed to those six teams that will not play this year, all the non-2020 clubs, they're going to retain the rights to the players that were assigned to 2020 contracts, or with 2020 options, they will have those contracts good in 2021. So essentially, I'll use the first example here, like Chase Simpson. He is now with Milwaukee. He is still technically Claiborne's player for 2021. They still have his rights. So he will not be a milkman in 2020 unless Claiborne does not want him. So that's how this is going to work. If if your 2019 team still has your 2021 rights, or if you signed a contract for 2020 with... One of the six teams not playing, that contract's still good for them, only that goes in 2021. You're just on a different team in 2020. So that's how that works out.
1: And that makes uh, makes a lot of sense, and it seems to be the most equitable way to do it. So this way everyone is uh, kind of on equal playing terms, and you don't have to worry about uh, contract issues and, and things like that. And, and obviously you know, things get murky, but you don't want to have uh, serious contractual problems there.
0: Exactly. It's just my maintaining uh, order and structure in the league there. And technically speaking now, if you were signed to a team for 2020 that's not playing, uh, you're technically a free agent. However, at that time, all the free agents and all the players on those rosters were entered into a disposal draft. And that order was then determined by the teams that are playing their 2019 record. So it went Milwaukee, Sioux Falls, Winnipeg, Chicago, Fargo, Moorhead, and then St. Paul. Uh, we have all the results here and we've posted those results before and we said we were going to go into some detail about it. However, to go through nine rounds of a dispersal draft seems a bit boring and just eating time for no particular reason. Uh, so yep. I'm just going to kind of go over some of the larger names. Uh, so really just the first couple rounds here. Chase Simpson, the example I gave, he was taken first overall by Milwaukee. Big back guy. His 2019 numbers were pretty good. Uh, I actually have this spreadsheet here, which I'll pull up. Just to pull him up to give you kind of an interesting look here. Guy batted 272. He had an OPS of 926. Hit 20 home runs. He had actually he was just a pretty good all-around player, to be quite honest here. I mean, his strikeout percentage even still wasn't that bad. He struck out about 27% of the time for his at-bats. He struck out 99 times and... Like I said, he, he's a solid player. Probably one of the better hitters in the uh, American Association. So a solid pick there uh, for yeah. Milwaukee. No doubt. Uh, then we had Ale Lago. He goes back to Sioux Falls. He was going to be in Claiborne. Uh, again, a similar case here. Another solid bat there. Darnell Sweeney, a former major league guy. He uh, played for the Phillies for a little bit. He winds up in Winnipeg. Eric Stout, who had a very good per- debut with Chicago uh, last night. He wound up going well, to Chicago. Uh, he's proven to be a good one there. Then minor fans will remember him. Uh, Saito Culver, he wound up going to Fargo. Uh, yep. A solid defensive guy. His bat's always been his issue, but last night he did have a good uh, good game at the plate, rather. And then Chuck Taylor, who's now not with St. Paul, but he's in the Sugarland Land League. He was, uh, he was their pick, so not necessarily the best pick. Uh, some other picks of note. Uh, Frank Duncan. He wound up going the second round of the uh, dispersal draft. He goes to Winnipeg. Uh, He's a guy I I believe in a lot. He threw a no-hitter last year. I believe he had five shutouts as well last year with Sussex County, too. So a very solid batter there. Or pitcher there, rather.
1: Solid player, no doubt. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, Then Jameson McCrane, one of the better relievers in the Atlantic League last year. He's with York. He winds up going to St. Paul, so a solid pick there. Uh, Dylan Tice. A dude that's really underrated, I think, as far as indie ball goes. And I'll go into more detail about him when we break down Milwaukee. But he winds up there in the third round. And then uh, Andrew Mitchell's another guy in the third round. He was Sioux City last year and this year as well. Or at least this year, I should say. He goes to Chicago. He's a solid reliever as well. Just some other players of note that got taken. Dylan Kelly, a longtime Sioux City explorer. He winds up in Fargo-Moorhead. He's a very, very reliable catcher there. Uh, there's some other guys here, mainly a lot of solid relievers that go. And then the last guy that got picked was John Nestor. He was, supposed to, he was with High Point a little bit last year. He was supposed to be with Claiborne this year. He goes to Winnipeg as the last pick of the disposal draft. Just something that's important to note. With the exception of a salary cap, there are no roster restrictions this year. So that's something good to note. Oh, yeah, um, That also increases the possibility of having some really high-quality talent this year. So... There's that. Some important to dates would be spring training or summer camp started on June 25th. Opening day was last night. It was June 3rd. Last day of the regular season is September 10th. The playoffs start on September 12th. And our motto for 2020 is for the love of the game.
1: That's right. That's a good motto.
0: (laughs) So that's just our kind of overview there. Uh, Some things of note in 2019. Barnum. Uh, He won Indie Ball Player of the Year. He's with Chicago, so that's a a nice little note there. St. Paul won their first championship in over a decade, and Kansas City did have a little uh, debacle with their whole stadium and their lease situation, but now they have new, far more stable ownership that has upgraded their ballpark. Obviously, they're not playing this year, but, hey, who knows? They will be back for next year and with a lot more stability, which is what we are all looking and hoping for. So, with that said, we will now shift to our actual team-by-team team previews here. So, we're going to go through each of the six teams pretty well in depth on each of them, and then just kind of give you a, a predictions or thoughts on the season as a whole, any kind of closing summaries, that whole kind of thing here. Uh, so, we'll just start at the top of the list and go with the Chicago Dogs. Uh, they had a franchise best record last year. Now, of course, you've only been around for like three years. So take it for what you will, but they had a 59 and 41 record, but Thompson enters his third year as manager of the Chicago dogs. And obviously they have yet to win a championship, but they do get to play at home this year, which only three other teams can say. So that's a huge win for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big win for them. And obviously uh, they, you know, they got a good team this year. They had a good team last year as well. The question is uh, who will be, uh, Who's going to be there? The guy that steps up and really uh, kind of takes over. Uh, a guy who I really liked uh, did not have a great night last night, but uh, obviously uh, Joey Turtislavich, who came from Lancaster, really a guy that I like a lot. Uh, big power bat. We saw him play against the Patriots, and he gave them fits last year when he was playing for Lancaster. So I do think that really uh, he's he's one of the uh, the best kind of power bats they have. I think you, think you went over uh, last night, but uh, certainly someone who I have down in my notes as uh, someone who could be an X-factor for the dogs.
0: Oh, absolutely. 22 home runs last year, at 294, and and like I said, an OPS of uh, 842, so very solid there. Guy doesn't strike out much. He has a, a fairly low strikeout percentage, at least, by the way, I kind of did the calculation here, uh, which is uh, just a .71 which is pretty or 0.17 my mistake uh so that's extremely good there and a guy yeah. with former major league experience too that's something that can't be discounted uh, as that well there. very reliable guy uh so he's definitely a, he's definitely a guy to watch here uh, a couple other guys i had there uh victor roach he put up very good numbers last year he batted over 300 uh he nearly had an ops of uh, a thousand which is pretty pretty good uh for for a power hitter because he hit 24 home runs he doesn't really strike out much i he batted 362 times he only struck out 106 so realistically not that bad as far as power hitters go Uh, so he's a guy that's very interesting to watch Uh, i also have edwin arroyo he's a guy that's not really that highly touted by a lot of fans but uh, he's a very solid guy. Again, a guy who batted nearly three hundred. Doesn't strike out much. He scores runs. He walks a lot. And he gets on base. He's a pretty good ball player, and he's very reliable too. So he's a guy that I really do like.
1: You know, I think um, you know. There's also a couple of guys that are uh, you know, in terms of starters, who that are really good. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about a few of them, and so I just you know, I mean, obviously it's just going to be a really strong, uh, really strong staff. It looks like for the dogs.
0: Mm. Uh, as far as starters go I will say this much uh, there's only two guys that really stand out to me when I look at like numbers and just that kind of general thing Uh, Thomas Stormany is one of the guys that immediately stands out a Somerset guy last year and then uh, Eddie Butler was another guy Uh, those two I really do feel confident in Uh, from there Jake Dahlberg pretty middle of the road guy Uh, he was in Chicago last year if I'm correct and uh, he did all right. he seems like a 3-4 to me uh, then there's J.D. Busfield. He was in Rockland last year. He was all right for a Can-Am league, but I, I'm i not sure how he'll adapt here with a yeah. more talented American association. And then there's Jeff Thompson, who is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type player. When he's on, he's good. When he's not, then it doesn't really work out. So that's a concern to me. I do like a lot of their bats, though. I I kind of put up a projected starting nine. And all the notes that I'm reading off of, too, by the way, you can find that on the website. I put that up. Uh, Instagram wanted, wanted to look at our prep notes. So that's under the article heading now. So you can see everything that I'm reading off of here. And I kind of, uh, in my mind, uh, Rosselli, Tony Rosselli another guy. He had a home run last night, too. So he's yep. a solid player there. Michael Krauss is a guy. Somerset guys will remember him. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of guys here that are there. However, uh, I did do some player summaries too, just generally speaking. And I had rated, uh, Chicago kind of as a B minus overall team. I give them a B for offense, a B minus for the rotation, and C plus for the bullpen. Uh, long and short, of it is, I like the potential they have for offense. The Roach, Glasser, Terteslavish, Roselli, Arroyo, guys like that are reliable. You can trust them. They're going to bring in runs. And like I said, Arroyo is really an underrated guy just across the Indie Ball too. So I'm real, yeah, I'm really starting to jump on the Arroyo bandwagon here. But, oh, uh, yeah. but their rotation is very top heavy. Uh, there's no real way around that. There's a, there's a drop off after number two. Uh, maybe Dahlberg takes a step forward. Maybe Busfield or Thompson takes a step forward, but at least looking at the numbers going into the season, I see a bit of a drop off after that number two spot starter spot. And when you really only have two. I'd say bankable guys in your bullpen. I mean, Jamie Callahan had a little bit of experience with the Mets, triple A AAA guy. His main claim to fame is just throwing hard. Uh, ben Yokley's another guy who's not bad either, but not really the most reliable guy of a bullpen. Uh, there's just a bit of, there's some lack in depth there just from the bullpen and also on their bench. So I don't see them as a top two team. I think they very well could very well, they could very well be a spoiler. Uh, they could cause fits. They could cause problems for other teams. However, I'm not sure if I see them as a playoff team. Uh, they did get a win last night, uh, kind of a questionable win just because of the yes. last call, strike three call. Yeah. But, but they got a win. So who knows how that will go. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think the dogs are, are a good team. I think, again, middling maybe is, is the good term for them. But the thing is that I, we have to take into consideration with all of these teams too is the, you know, these rosters that we have now may not ultimately be the same rosters that we have in a few weeks. So, uh, very interesting to see how everything plays out. But I do think the dogs have a chance to, like you said, play the role of the spoiler. I think they're, yeah they're, they're the place where I would differ with you is I do think that they're, uh staff their starting staff at least has the the opportunity the potential at least to um you know be a little bit better than um maybe uh you know it, we're, we're thinking you know I think Dahlberg could be a guy who who takes a leap um, I could see he was there last year. He could be kind of an anchoring force. Um, obviously, uh, Dormini and, and Butler are going to be, you know, very good. And so the question is, can they get one or two other pieces in there? Um, and then obviously the bullpen has its issues, but there are one or two guys in the bullpen as well that you did highlight that I, I do think that could kind of right the ship. But I think uh, overall our assessment on the dogs is very similar. Good offensively, anytime you've got uh, – Joey Turtislavic on your team. We're going to be, you know, going to have a power bat in there, at least somebody who could hit in that four or five spot, um, consistently and will drive in runs. So anytime you have that, I think it's a good start. And yeah, I mean, I think B minus maybe overall is a good way to do it. But I think there's a, a good chance that if they, they figure out their starting rotation, they could be a team that has a lot to say uh, in this new American association.
0: Then also, uh, I didn't factor in Stout being a starter. I mean, he played 23 games last year, he only started 11. So I figured uh, they'll use him as a bullpen guy. But if they use him as a starter and he does what he did last night consistently, then that also changes things a lot, too. So and also and i didn't factor in ladendorf because he was a late addition to that roster as well and like you said these rosters are going to be kind of in flux just because that's usual you see a lot of changeover in any form of baseball as far as players go but also covid also factors in this year so who knows who's going to be playing when but uh with that much said we'll go to the next team on the list the fargo moorhead red hawks uh 2019 they got to the semifinal, but they weren't able to uh knock out the Saints. They fail, They fell to the Saints in five, and they had a 63-37 and 37 record under first-year manager Jim Bennett. Bennett's gone this year. Uh, Chris Costi is in. That's his first season, as you could probably guess, as manager of this team, and their last championship was in 2010, so they're looking to end a decade-long drought this year. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this team which I think have some real potential to be some really high-quality players here. Uh, Ryan Williams, I like him as a starter. Same thing with Tyler Wilson. Wilson's uh, T- more of a bullpen, guy. I'm mistake. I'm thinking of Tyler Pike. He's a guy I also like there. Uh, Dylan yep. Kelly, I loved on that spot there. Uh, Carell Prime is a very solid guy. He made actually a very nice diving catch last night. And then Trey Hare is another guy on that team that's uh, that I look to see big things out of as well.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some some sneaky good guys in here. Obviously, Trey Hare um, is the name that jumps out to me. Very comfortable with him after watching him play with Sussex County. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different guys that have you know a good amount of, of talent here. I do think that the the uh, you know the, the catcher position they're pretty solid as well. Um, with uh, uh, Grant Parks, obviously had a good year last year uh, with rockland and so you know you know he's a good he's a guy that could be good obviously Hare a really good fielder um in terms of pitchers he has some you know really you know pretty decent names you got Jake cozart um what'd you say
0: i say cozart was a good one yeah no he's a solid he's a solid reliever
1: yep cozart's a good one and, you know you got other guys um you know tyler wilson like you said. Um, you know, and a bunch of other guys who Ryan Williams, other guys who who are either starters or in the bullpen um, and are really, you know, some strong names. So this is a team that I do have, uh, you know, making making a little bit of noise here. I think they're a good a good group overall. Um, I don't know what I would give them. Maybe maybe a B plus um, for Fargo Morehead. That would be my B plus. Um, it would be interesting to see how everything shakes out with their bullpen. But uh, I think they overall they, they are a pretty strong team.
0: Yeah, know, I was about the same way. Uh, I had them as a B. I put a C plus on the bullpen, which I think I'm maybe may a little low now. Uh, rotation wise, B minus there again. Uh, not too deep on the rotation, but still not a bad rotation in and of itself. And a B plus on the offense. I like a lot of their offensive guys, guys like Hare, Prime. Uh, they just picked up uh, Devin A. again. So uh, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, and then uh, Dylan Kelly is like, I'm really, really huge on. Uh, they are going to produce a lot. They're going to be a very, very good players for them. Uh, Forrest Alde, again, is an under-the-radar guy. I think he could be very good here. And then, of course, everyone's favorite uh, trash can guy, uh, Metzinger. He's also a very reliable player as well. So yeah. there's that. Uh, again, though, I'm a little bit skeptical about the bullpen. I want to see how it's yep. utilized, too. Uh, first-year manager. Well, he has a lot of experience managing. He's been on that bench for a little bit of time. Uh, it's still, I want to see how he utilizes guys and what positions he utilizes them, and that whole kind of general thing. Uh, that you really have a hard time kind of going for. Uh, I, that's something I do want to see. Uh, but all in all, I think. Uh, I think this team does have some potential to make some noise, like you said. But I think the kind of the final line here, in my kind of general summary. Uh, in the notes here, it, I think it's pretty much still rings true for me here uh, that this team is kind of like building a house on a sandbar. Uh, it's you're really tempting fate when it comes to is the tide going to come in or not, and when the tide comes, how hard is it going to hit the house? And for me, that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to their pitching. Their offense will figure itself out, but pitching wise, I need to see that they're going to be reliable. I mean, last night they let Winnipeg get up on them a lot. So, do you need to cut down on that? I mean, Winnipeg still—they put up eight runs on you, and I understand it's one game, and Winnipeg's a team I'm going to speak really highly of shortly. Yep. But mm-hmm. even still, you need to control—you uh, need to control that better. You can't allow yeah, eight yeah. runs to go up there. But again, it's still early, so I'm not going to uh, rush to any sort of conclusions. So, yeah, I won't
1: rush to judgment there either. But I think you and I are in the same spot. If there is an Achilles' heel. With this team, it is their bullpen, uh, and it will come from their bullpen. Obviously, their starters aren't the best, but it's not a terrible rotation. It's just a, a matter of will their bullpen be able to handle uh everything and we'll see. I mean obviously that didn't work out so well last night. So uh, it's one game and against probably was the best team uh in the in, in this incarnation of the American Association, but we'll see uh if it's something that they're able to uh figure out or if those woes continue uh throughout the season.
0: and it's not even so much uh you know, I I'm not it's not even so much about their bullpen that I'm really terrified of. It's their utilization there. Like they didn't utilize it correctly in my mind. 'Cause there's pieces here. I mean, like you you look, there's pieces. I mean, Cozart, like you said, uh Wilson's a guy again. But also the thing that goes against him is I don't see a lot of starters here. Like you look at their thing, they have technically guy five guys that have started a game. Uh, but one of them being uh Braden Haggins that uh, played last night. He only started seven games last year. So I mean, like that's that doesn't tell me much. And you did strike out ten guys but the thing is he allowed a bunch of runs and the bullpen wasn't able to really stem the bleeding. I'm in agreement. With the staff is the issue. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think the pitching will be an issue and we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens if they figure it out or not. But uh, yeah, I, I do think, I do think this team is another one that's potentially dangerous. Um, probably more so than the dogs um, in my opinion. But yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, next up, Milwaukee. Uh, 2019. Again, not really kind to them. Uh, 39 or 38, my mistake, 38 and 62. Technically the best record in franchise history because it's only their second year as a franchise. Uh, Anthony Barone takes over as a manager. They fired their last one. Uh, I would have given them a little more time than that, but hey, make the switch if you want to. And obviously only playing one year and winning less than 40 games, they have uh, no championships to their name. However, uh, even before the season was canceled, going into the season, I was really high on Milwaukee, and I'm going to stand by that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in them. I uh, have a lot of guys I really do like, uh, some bullpen guys like Smith, uh, to, Smith and uh, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, but Kowalski, uh, I believe is how it is. Uh, uh, Karl Karoski or Karch Karoski? I can't really pronounce that. It's an extremely, I believe, Polish name, and that's extremely difficult for me to pronounce right now. But the him and Miles Smith are two guys where I'm really, really big on them from the bullpen. Uh, Yep, On Hill, Ventura. I'm really big on him. He had a good performance last night. I believe he only allowed two runs, so a very mm-hmm. good outing from him. Uh, Aaron Hill's a guy who's bounced around independently for a while now, but he is extremely underrated. He's a solid, solid player. Uh, I mentioned Chase Simpson earlier, Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. former Long Island Duck, and technically former Baltimore Oriole David Washington, too, so a lot of power there. Uh, yep. Then guys like Zach Nearer and Dylan Tice, who maybe not the most, you know, power bats, but they certainly get on base. They produce a lot of offense. All in all, I really do like that this team's uh, offensive production. There's so much to like about it.
1: I like it as well. I think offensively they've got a chance to be really good. Um, like a, a pretty decent pitching staff. I'm gonna have to agree with you. This is going to be a strong team. Obviously, uh, didn't uh, work out as well. Certainly not offensively last night. But I uh, can't go much off of one game. What I will say is simply they uh, have the ability anyway to do it. It depends on. Uh, coaching obviously the new coach coming in and there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors there um with everything but i do think that uh, there's a good potential for this team to really make some make some noise and really really be good and maybe be one of the teams that are standing there at the end um in my opinion probably fighting with winnipeg for that uh top spot
0: yeah no i'm i'm like super high I and mean, just to give people uh Part of the reason I'm really big on Dylan Tice is the guy had a 316 um, uh, average and an OPS of just under 800. He had three triples, which is this team actually, if you look at, it, it's an extremely fast team. Even uh, the catcher, who I believe was DHing last night, in Logan Trowbridge, uh, he even has three. Triples there, so I mean, you got a catcher who's that fast that says something, and there's just so much offense here. You got guys like Aaron Hill, like I said, 12 home runs. Chase Simpson, 20 home runs. Uh, David Washington, 23 home runs. Zach Nearer, 12 home runs. Anybody at 285 was not within uh, on base and slugging over 850. Uh, you got other guys. Let's see, Adam Walker, 22 home runs. He's a guy I didn't even mention. Then you got guys that are technically on the inactive list, like Miguel Gomez. He's a former major leaker. Actually, played for San Francisco a little bit last year. Uh There's just there's a slew of guys there that I'm really in love with with the bats. And then uh, pitching wise, there's a lot of guys here that are. That they're either going to be really strong or not strong at all. Uh, that kind of a deal with uh, Milwaukee this year. I give them an A for offense, a B for the rotation, a C plus for the bullpen. Uh, as far as that's concerned, it's all, all in all a B plus for them, uh, rotational wise. I do like on Ventura. I believe in yep. Taylor Ahern, David Holmberg. We saw him a lot in Somerset last year. He seems like he's good for five innings, and then you know you're rolling the dice outside of that. Then it's Dylan Baker and John Ritchie. I'm not the huge fans of either one of them, but, you know, they make do. Uh, Both bullpen guys I mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of both of them. Zach Hartman's potential out of the bullpen, and Ryan Kuzma, another Somerset guy, uh, he has some potential there. Uh, I could summarize everything I'm saying here with... uh, There's a lot of underrated players on this team. I really do believe that this team has the potential to go very far. I just... I'm not sure if I see them quite postseason yet. They're certainly knocking on the door. There's a lot of good teams in the league this year. It comes down to really... will their bullpen hold up? And if their bullpen holds up, I see no reason why they won't be in the uh, postseason. I mean, they have three guys with pretty solid Major League experience to start the season. So uh, no reason to believe that they are not going to make uh, some noise this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think certainly um, there are a lot of good teams. And this is certainly going to be a, a challenging league, uh, maybe, you know, an unprecedentedly challenging league. But I do think that the Milkmen are in a really good position to be a very good team. The only thing is that bullpen, like you said, that gives me pause. Even the rotation a little bit does give me some pause too. But I think they can come overcome a lot of that because of their uh offensive ability, hopefully. Obviously I didn't we really didn't see that come into play last night. Uh so you know, I I'm hoping that I'm not gonna be eating my words in a few months, but um at least from this point I do think that um milwaukee will be a good team and is going to be uh you know fighting for that top spot in the american association at least fighting for playoff contention at the least hmm,
0: certainly uh so we'll move to st paul now uh, st paul obviously uh one of the most well-known independent league teams here and they had a good season last year uh, 64 and 35 they broke their kind of drought of championships uh, it was over a decade long they win the american association uh I'm going to butcher the name here, but George, uh, I believe it's uh, Samus, or Samus. He'll enter his 18th season as manager of St. Paul, and obviously their last championship was 2019. A uh, lot of guys on this team here that don't really, like, jump out at you, uh, but they're quietly good. Uh, guys that may be kind of immediate to you. Uh, Jameson McCrane, Tyler Kirst, uh, Josh Allen, Jose Veldez, Those are some guys there. Uh, under the radar guys, JC Milan, uh, Mike Devin. Uh, these are guys where I'm really hype on them. I, I like them a lot. Uh, a guy that's pretty well known for us because we've seen him for a while now. Mikey Reynolds, he joins the team. I'm not sure how much he's going to get in there. Uh, Max Murphy's another guy that's good. All in all, I look at the team in general, and I just see a lot of pieces here that on their own aren't that impressive. But when put together, uh, they're kind of like a Voltron. Uh, they just kind of work.
1: Yeah, and I'll agree with that. I mean, I think that this this team is uh, uh, very kind of could be the scrappier of the teams. Um, not, like you said, not a huge, not, not any you know, no Joey Trutislavich, big-name guys, but there are certainly guys who play really well. Um, obviously, a guy like Mikey Reynolds, like you said, might not get a whole ton of playing time, but if he does need to get in there, is capable. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of other guys who really, you know, can – Do the job. And so again, I think you have a lot of professionals on the team. You know, I think you have a lot of guys who are, um, gonna go in there and gonna work hard and gonna, you know, try to be there. You know, Josh Allen, as you mentioned, uh, and a a bunch of other, you know, Justin Bird, um, Hmm. who, who's another guy who's kind of like that, uh, you know, Murphy, you know, and so these type of players who are going to come in and maybe not exactly, you know, wow you in terms of their names or the statistics, um, but will probably, uh, as a collective, move forward in a positive way. I think they're a very deep team. I think they have a lot of guys who, uh, you know, will be able to. Fill in if you know. Obviously, we're talking about the COVID, right? I mean, you know, I think that that's something that needs to be put in. Do you have a, a lot of guys who can step in if needed? Um, and I think they do have uh, you know pretty decent depth um, as much as you can have, I suppose, um, at this point. So yeah, I mean, I think that there's a I think there's a very good chance that this uh, that they're a, a very good team once again. I don't see them in that really top tier range. Um, just because I don't know if they'll have enough uh, generated offensively to be in that top-tier range. But uh, certainly, I think they will be a good team, um, but I wouldn't put them in the same category as uh, Winnipeg at this moment in time or Sioux Falls.
0: I think that depends on the bullpen for me. If the bullpen shows up like it should, didn't quite do that last night. I know Brian Glowicki had a a rough outing, but if the – if the bullpen shows up, I believe in it. Uh, you mentioned Justin bird who I was on the fence about including on that like top tier player list just because he played in the Pecos and the uh, Pacific association last year. So I think that kind of skews the overall numbers. However, he did spend time in Texas last year and I assume he'll be back in Texas next year as well, but he did have a very strong night. So hopefully he continues to do so. Um, what, uh, just the bullpen, I just keep looking at it, and I'm just so impressed by it. Uh, Jamison McCrean, uh, I, for Atlantic League fans, you don't need to be reminded of how good he was. Uh, he really was part of the driving force turning around York's bullpen. Uh, 24 saves last year. I know saves aren't the best stat, but it, it still means something. And a 1.33 ERA. In 61 innings. Uh, that's impressive, no matter what way you slice it. Uh, no Jose, matter what way you slice it, yep. Yeah, Jose Valdez, 32 appearances, 32 and a third innings pitched, a 1.65 ERA. Uh, no saves there, but still very very impressive there. Uh, Tanner you had 47 and a third innings pitched, 44 appearances. Again, he had nine saves. He had a 2.28 ERA you just keep looking through the bullpen here i i mentioned mike divine or mike devin i'm not sure how exactly it's pronounced but he had uh, 54 innings pitched and 37 appearances and era of 2 uh, again solid guys here and a lot of them like if you look at the whole pitching staff the lowest strikeout per 9 rate is from spencer jones who i assume will be a starter he played in the in the mexican league uh, last year yeah. but and his strikeout rate is at 7.3 per 9 so even still, it's a very solid. No matter what way you slice it, this is a team that can strike guys out, and it doesn't seem like they give up too many hits overall. So I'm I'm very impressed by just the core group of players here. Uh, I really do like the bullpen. I think they're going to figure it out. Uh, guys like Chesney Young are another guy who could very well step up. I'm not sure where exactly he fits in because I'd rather play uh, JC Milan. He was split time between AAA and AA last year. And I believe it's the Marlins organization. So I'm not sure again, how he fits in, but uh, yeah, guys like a uh, Silvario uh, young Allen justice, all of these guys, there's just so much talent here that I really do expect to see something out of this team. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top two. I'm a little higher on them than you are, but uh, only time will tell that. But I could equally see them making it as not making it. Overall, they're a B-plus in my mind.
1: Yep, I agree they're a B-plus. The only only thing I would say that takes them out of that top two for me is simply the um, the offense. I'm not sure if they're going to get quite the amount of production um, there that they might need in order to, to beat a team like Winnipeg, but you know, we'll see. Um, see what happens when we get there. I mean I, I trust me my, uh, my my prognostications haven't always been correct in the past so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll give it a go and see what happens this year.
0: Hey, everything turns around eventually but uh, we'll move the Sioux Falls with the Canaries uh, 2019 record. 38 and 62, so very similar to the Milkmen. Uh, they missed the playoffs. Mike Meyer returns for his fourth season at the helm of the Canaries. Their last championship was 08, so they've been waiting over a decade and they're trying to snap that. Equally not a bad team. Uh, some of the guys I like, um, Michael Gunn, uh, Ryan Britt, I think a sneaky good player. Ale Lago, obviously, and then a couple of former, uh, Rockland guys and Jake Zolkin and uh, Landon Holyfield, although Holyfield is on the inactive list at the moment, so uh, make of that what you will. Uh, one thing that does disturb me about this team, there's technically no like natural catcher on the team. I know last night they had Clint Coulter suit up with the gear and go behind the plate, and they moved Ryan Brett from a natural second base position into right field and then they put Lago at second where he is technically an natural second baseman. So they had to move some stuff around a little concerning to me that you don't have an actual catcher, but ultimately it's not that big of a deal in my mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, you know, not having a catcher certainly hurts them, especially because in terms of an experienced guy back there calling, uh, the game i think that'll hurt the pitching staff um obviously that is such an important facet of what catchers do is being that being that you know it's very important to have a catcher and have that be that field general and really try to work through uh you know pitching staff and really get them through those important moments so i think it will hurt them uh, i do think that there's an opportunity for them to go out and get somebody but it'll have to be uh something that i, I think they have to address in order for them to get where you know, I think that they have the possibility to, to go. I think they have some really good bats on the team. Like you said, Ryan Brett's a guy that's very, very interesting to me. Um, really played well last year. Um, obviously, you've got some other guys. Uh, Matt Morales, I think he's someone who, uh, really could add, uh, something in, in terms of <clears throat> defensively. Speaking, I think he could be good. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, Jabari Henry could be good in terms of someone with some with decent experience. Um, again, another good defensive guy. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of de- you know, good defense uh, on the team, but there's also guys who uh, need to step up offensively. Um, I think there's a good mix of that. And if they're able to get an actual catcher in there, they might be uh, able to help their pitching staff out a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do like the team a lot. I agree with the catcher uh, catcher bit there. Although Coulter seems fine last night. Uh, the outfield is very, very strong defensively uh, between Henry, Huth, and uh, Landon. Uh, this is, they made some really impressive catches out there. And I think Henry had a very solid night, too, at the plate, uh, which is a little uncharacteristic uh, just going off his last-year numbers. But still, uh, Huth is a surprising guy, too. He's surprisingly good uh, with a bat. Uh Let's see, yep. who else we got here? Mike Hart's another guy, batted about 300 last year. Uh, Lago is always a solid player. You bat 340, it speaks for itself. Uh, Ryan Brett, though, is like I said, the guy I'm really watching out for. I think he, there's some potential here. Uh, 10 home runs, underlying numbers. I really do like it. I don't think he strikes out that much either. Nah, 64 strikeouts and 333 at-bats. It's really not that bad. Uh, so that's a that's a huge thing here. But it'll be interesting to see how they go. They took it to the Saints last night. So that's uh, a cap a feather in their cap, I suppose. But uh, they all in all, it's a very interesting interesting stop there. As far as pitching goes, uh, Tyler Heron. He did better once uh, he left high point just because the rule changes. He was one of those guys that really did struggle with it. Uh, so I, he did decent last night. So he seems to be interesting. Although, like I said, there's other uh, guys in that rotation that I like more. And then the guy I'm really kind of low-key expecting to turn to like a Frank Duncan type is uh, Ty Colbert or Ty Colbreth, I believe it's pronounced. Ty Colbreath. Uh Lefty. He's a starter. He pitched in Hartford last year, Double A for I believe Colorado. Uh, numbers weren't the best, but I think he could have kind of a Frank Duncan like renaissance here. Now maybe I'm just saying that because well he's a pitcher and he played in Hartford last year, the same deal that Frank uh, that uh, Frank Duncan had uh, before he went to Sussex. But who knows? I uh, I'm gonna be watching him. I think he is a uh, maybe prime for a little bit of a breakout candidate there. So he'll be yeah, I to watch. think
1: so. Yeah, I think so. I think that, that that could be a guy who's a breakout candidate, and I think there's
0: you know, a couple of guys
1: who really, um, you know, in their bullpen, I do see, uh, you know, being able to make a little bit of a difference, at least being able to be, uh, you know, pretty good and, and get through um, to the back end. I think it depends really, obviously, a lot of it is going to depend um, the American Association in general this year on that bullpen, um, and so it's very important that uh, they are able to figure that out as well
0: exactly and like I said I gave them an a for offense B mines for rotation and C for bullpen uh b overall which i think is pretty fair for them uh just because they have some guys that very are that are very interesting and have the potential to be breakout ryan Long's another guy I didn't mention but he's also got some potential there but all in all it really just depends if the arms all come together uh, but I will say having a lay lago does help you he is a top like that in the league. I mean this there's, there's no way to argue that with numbers and eye test everything proves that so
1: yep everything proves that yeah so i mean i think it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do uh kind of moving forward i really do think that they're going to be for me if i had to give them an overall grade offense i'm giving them an a um i'm going to give them maybe a b minus for their rotation and then yeah i think i'll go with the the c to a c plus on 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 their uh bullpen and so i think you know you got to see kind of what happens there, I do think they have the p- potential to be in an a minus range, but they also have the potential to be in a B to B minus range. So it really depends on kind of where they uh, end up and how everything plays out in regard to the bullpen and if they're able to produce offensively the way they should be.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, moving on to the final team here, and the team I'm really hyped about, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, uh, a 2019 record of 57-43. and 43. Uh, Rick Fortney enters his 15th season with the club, they last won the championship in 2017, they are actually the last back-to-back champion in this league, they won 16 and 17, Uh, so they are someone to watch out for. A lot of top players here. Guys like Frank Duncan, Mitchell Lampson, John Nestor, uh, Camplin. I'm a big fan of Jonathan Maroney. Uh, Darnell Sweeney. The list goes on and on. Kyle Martin. He had, I believe, two home runs last night. Uh All in all, just a really solid team. Eric Wood's a solid guy on this team. Wes Darville's a solid guy on this team. Logan Hill's solid. Yep. The, really, the whole lineup is just so... There's no real weakness. Kevin LeChan's another guy. He makes real good contact. And honestly... They have enough stars on this team where I could see them running a six-man rotation. Uh, guys like Frank Duncan, Mitchell Lampson, Kevin McGowan, those three need to be in a rotation. Then uh, the last two spots, you have a lot of options. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dominic Maza. We saw him pitch in Three Rivers, same thing with Garrett Harris last year. Both of them did very well uh, there. And then uh, Economis, he's a guy that... They signed recently. He's got some real good potential there, too. I wouldn't even be opposed to running a six-man rotation. I get it, 60 games. Each guy gets 10 starts. I'm not sure if that's something that interests you. You really don't need to do it because you're afraid of wear and tear on an arm. But perhaps running a six-man rotation on such a short schedule, giving them extended rest, maybe that rests their arm more and makes them a bit more dangerous so they can go even longer. Although their bullpen is stacked, too. So, I mean... Uh, I'm kind of in love with the team, to be honest.
1: Yeah, me as well. I think I think Winnipeg is probably as good as you're gonna get in terms of an overall team. They really just. Uh, you know, as, really just as good as you're going to get. I mean, you're talking about pitching defensively, offensively. I don't really think they have a weakness. Uh, and they can, they can field. They've got really good uh, leadership on the team. I mean, I just think overall, you got a really great uh, group of guys there in Winnipeg. Uh, we, we talked about it even before everything had kind of started that we were expecting big things uh, from them this year. And so I just think, yeah, I mean, I obviously you've got Frank Duncan. Um, that's going to be a, really a Key piece there for me. Um, obviously, you got Darnell Sweeney, some other guys uh, that really just you know step. At, I mean, names that you just know. I mean, you know, th- there are a lot of MLIB people um, who are going to look at you know Darnell Sweeney you know, know exactly who he is. You know, big names, and then also just guys who have produced at a lot of the different levels that they've been playing at. So I really do like this team, and this t- to me, this is the team that will ultimately wind up. Uh, being crowned champion of this shortened, uh, season. Um, but that is only time will tell on that. But uh, I do think that if, if I had to pick today, they would be my pick. Uh, they're overall for me, they're an A
0: oh yeah they're they're definitely they're definitely there i mean even roy morales is a very solid batter here i mean bats uh, 3 10 uh not that many home runs but the guy gets on base and that's really what matters getting on base uh, everything about this team like you look just up and down it's just solid bats solid bats solid bats tom Ravens another guy that i didn't even mention but he's a solid guy especially coming off the bench and they also have uh willie Garcia too who is technically still uh, on the restricted list, or the IR, and there's other guys there, Maroney's a the guy who's technically on that list too, and a lot of the pitchers I'm about to list, they're technically on uh, the reserved list as well, so there'll be a little bit of time till they come back, but even still, very. they're just such a solid team, every which way you cut it. Uh, reliever-wise is something I have to get into here. Uh, guys like Jose Jose, an ERA below 1-6 last year as a setup man yeah. in, in Sussex. Oh my gosh. Just yep, terrific there. Yeah, uh, Kent Hasler, another guy, an ERA of just over 2, 201 uh, last year in Lake Erie. Victor Kaplan, he was a Winnipeg-York guy last year, 27 saves. Very solid guy there. Joe Leinhart, another guy, he's A little higher of an ERA, but still a solid guy coming out of the bullpen. Dylan Ray Nolt, he didn't pitch too much last year for Lancaster, but he did pitch somewhat effectively. Justin Campbell, another guy, an ERA of 2.08 with Winnipeg last year. There's just so many different guys here. And uh, ah, it's just such a good team. And then you also have Kevin Hilton, who could be a starter as well. I'm not sure if I mentioned him going through the rotation there, but all in all, it's just such, the team looks just so deep that it's, I'm just so in love with the team overall. And then when you look at like averages and stuff, because I also have the, the full team stats here compared So you know, what would an average uh, American association pitcher be based off the rosters that I had when I put all this together, their ERA is nearly a full point below what the average pitcher would have.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you're just talking about, I mean, they're just, they're the class of, American Association there's no doubt and I really believe that this is going to be the team that is going to be there at the end and uh, yeah I mean just overall pitching is ridiculous their bullpen is ridiculous I mean their starter even their rotation like you said is stacked I mean there is just there is nowhere to go there's nowhere to run and hide from Winnipeg this year
0: exactly the only thing that I'm a little concerned about is the batting in case some guys don't show up then that would concern me. But to this point, that's not really an issue. I gave him a B for offense still, an A-plus for the rotation, just because there's so much uh, versatility there. And Lamps improved last night. He threw a gem, and it's going to continue like that. An A-minus for the bullpen once they get back up to full steam. An A-minus in total for this team. Uh it, It's just such a stacked team every which way I look at it here at that uh, I'm a huge fan of them, uh, to, be co- to be totally honest there.
1: Yep, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, the, the, uh, maybe the batting, I would give them a B plus. Um, and so maybe that gives me just a, just a little bit higher overall with that A. I think it's uh, not an A plus, but definitely an A, uh, team in terms of just construction wise, you know, obviously roster construction. Hopefully, uh, they're able to you know, keep people healthy, keep people on the field, you know, obviously uh, they could get derailed by COVID or injuries or anything like that. But if all goes the way it's supposed to, which nothing has been lately, but if all goes the way it's supposed to, I do think Winnipeg will be the team to beat undoubtedly.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's just, like I said, it's such a good team here that uh, it's very hard to make any sort of an argument that they're not. Uh, So, I think we kind of agree that Winnipeg's the team we expect to see in the final. Uh, who do we expect to see alongside them in the final?
1: So, for me, I think um, it could be a couple of couple of teams. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Sioux Falls. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was the carries. Um, yeah. I think they really have a strong team, as I said before. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see someone, uh, you know, maybe who's not exactly, um, you know, Thought of maybe a Milwaukee, you know, that could mm-hmm. be one. Um, and I wouldn't, I, you can never count out St. Paul, so I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams. But to me, right now, it's the Canaries, I could be way off on that, but I'm hopeful. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'm voting. I'm um, for me, I think it's going to be St. Paul and Winnipeg. I, I think St. Paul is just so evenly keeled right now that they, they look good, they look like they're going to be solid and dependable. Uh, until and they're also reigning champions, so until they prove me wrong, I gotta put them there. Now that said, they didn't have a great start to the season, but again, we're still very early on, so you can't. You gotta take that with a grain of salt here. Uh, just some other notes here that I figure why not make some predictions here. Um, just kind of go through the awards and whatnot last year player of the year in the american association and indie ball in general was keon barnum i assume we're going to get indie ball player of the year out of this league again this year so who is your player of the year at this point who do you predict it will be
1: so my prediction i'm thinking i'm going to go with uh, joey turnos again uh, somebody who i really liked seeing hit just a pure hitter um, I'm really going to have a good opportunity to be a very big cog uh, with that. So I really do see him being the guy who I think ultimately takes the cake uh, for that player of the year. Right.
0: For me, I know maybe a bit, uh, bit predictable here, but I'm going to say a Lago. I think he's going to produce very well for Sioux Falls. I think he's going to put together well a, a solid year again. I think he is arguably the best hitter in the league. I think he's a top five player in the league, certainly. And all in all, I have no reason to doubt him uh, in getting that. Uh, uh, Defensive player of the year, it's kind of hard to judge. I, I know, at least speaking for myself, up until this point, I haven't really watched a lot of these guys play live. And there's really no reliable metric to kind of judge that. So I suppose we'll just kind of uh, skip over that one and just go to the kind of the one other one that we could kind of predict, which is manager of the year, which ironically was Jim Bennett last year. So uh, we see what winning that award gets you. Yeah, not much. Yeah, he gets the unemployment line seat. But uh, for me, I, I think manager of the year, it'll wind up going to Rick Fortney. I think between Winnipeg having to well, play in the U.S. away from their home fans with no realistic shot at playing at home this year, that's a challenge in and of itself. Organizing that team, and I think, like I said, when they win this championship, which is who I damn well predict to win the championship this year, I kind of got to expect he's going to win it. It'd be hard to argue against it. Now, granted, if, you know, Milwaukee has like some sort of terrific jump, they get into the final, then it has to be Barone. But at this time, I think it's going to be Fortney.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, Winnipeg obviously is the team to beat and he has... The, one of the biggest challenges in terms of being in a completely different country uh, and attempting to still keep the team on, on, on a certain you know, trajectory to be successful, as I think they will be. Um, so I do wind up seeing him as the uh, manager of the year as well.
0: Alright, so I think with that much put there, uh, the only thing left that really needs to be discussed is how can you actually watch the American Association? I know we've gotten this question a good bit, and that is simply by going to aabaseball.tv. Uh, currently, for this weekend, you can have a free three-day trial of the service. After that, it'll run you either 20 bucks for the year or... Or it will run you, uh, I believe it's twelve nineteen or twelve ninety nine a month. Twelve ninety nine for the month. Yeah, twelve ninety nine for the month. Which, why the hell would you pay thirteen dollars a month for three months when you could pay twenty for the year?
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> I feel like that option's
0: almost there. Just because they're like, hey, you know what? If we get someone that's bad at math, then we'll throw that in there. Unless there's some trickery, like if you have a promo code, you can't use it on the year subscription, but you can use it on the monthly one.
1: Yeah, and there may be some 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 interesting stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the I, I like it. I downloaded the app. You know, I have it. Wait, and there's an got, app. There's an app. Yep, um, oh, uh, I didn't know about app. that.
0: I was ju- I was using the mobile site. Oh no, you
1: got I, there's an app. You can use the app. There's a, I think it's for I think it's I know it's for the app store. Obviously, okay. Um,
0: I'm I'm checking right now with Google Play. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. I know they,
1: you know, the app, um, it's kind of a bare bones app. It's not, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, interactive things to do with it, but it's certainly, it has the games on there. Um, and it hasn't crashed yet on me. So I was able to watch the game last night without it crashing. So, I mean, I like the, the app and, um, you know, you can sign up. I subscribed right through the app. So that was nice. It's pretty streamlined in that way. So I do think that it's something that uh, I would recommend. Um, I, I kind of wish it was uh, a little bit more accessible in terms of monetarily speaking, you know, uh, obviously 20 bucks for the whole year isn't too bad. Um, but I think it is financially limiting to some, to some fans, especially during these hard times. I would have rather have seen, um, you know, a, a, instead of a 1299 a month option, maybe a, like a 599 a month option um, for fans to be able to pay uh, monthly at a, at a, at a more, Reasonable uh, premium and make it a little bit more accessible to some folks who might not have the uh, ability or the incentive to want to pay for twenty dollars to watch independent league baseball. So,
0: yeah, I'm going to do a full review of the the site and how it all works and whatnot. I couldn't find the app on the Google Play Store, so I'm not sure uh, what's up with that. I know you can. Wa- I know there's a Roku app too, or not Roku, uh, Apple Play uh, thing. So maybe it's and maybe it's an Apple thing. I don't know. Maybe
1: it's an Apple thing, but no, I have it. it's the American Association app. All right, well, I,
0: I can find it. Uh, yeah, it's so
1: get... AA Baseball TV. So I don't know if maybe it's just a Hold
0: on. let me let me check this again. AA Baseball TV. Okay, because yeah. I like I said I know, I know I use the mobile site. And the mobile site worked pretty good. I will say that much. Uh, I'm not going to talk about individual uh, broadcast quality and all that because, like I said, I'll I'll do a full review about that. People uh, again on on the social media platform wanted that so they shall get it it won't be anything terribly much yeah no i can't seem to i can't seem to find that huh all right well i guess i just haven't gotten around to putting it there yet uh, regardless so yeah you could watch it there 20 bucks a month like you said it's a little it's a little pricey i think uh just for the fact he's really only three teams this year but i assume this is going to be their way of streaming games going forward uh, i would like to say i Kind of want to see a little bit more bells and whistles and some stuff ironed out. It is only the first weekend of it, so I assume as we go along, we're gonna get it's gonna get better. But by and large, at first I wasn't a huge fan of that price point, like you said. Uh, but then I kind of came around to it. I was like, you know, I look at it like this: it's the price of going to what one, maybe two baseball games. So you yeah. get access to all these other games. The league, uh, let's be honest, they need some money right now because they are losing money because of the pandemic and to toss 20 bucks in i'm sure we can all think back to a time where we spent 20 dollars on something a lot dumber so if you aff- yeah if you gonna, true yeah if you can afford to toss in 20 bucks uh, then it's something that's worthwhile i know some people in canada were having some issues with it like it wanted an american zip code or something and others weren't uh, i'm sure if you just contact the league, they'll help you like kind of sort all that out uh so but by and large though I th- it was pretty good it was Pretty easy to use. There were some issues yep. I had, but like I said, uh, I'll go into more detail about that in the review, which will probably be up on the YouTube channel. So, uh.
1: yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I like it. I think um, it's a good idea. I like the idea of subscribing to it. Um, I like that to 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 a, to a degree. Uh, the one thing that I do find uh you know again the price point uh obviously $20 is not too terrible of a price point but it, you know it is something that does limit accessibility perhaps for some but on an overall scale i think it's a, it's a great idea i do wish uh that they would have made uh you know kind of a maybe try to make a tv deal um with someone to try to have it simulcast as well somewhere because it would be very nice to have You know, the ability to watch it on TV. I think that would be great. Uh, obviously, you can probably, you know, get it hooked up through your laptop or your phone or whatnot. I know there's a lot of things to do that. I'm not exactly technically savvy in that way, so I don't really have the uh, ability to do that at this point, but I know there are a lot of people who can figure that out. But I would have liked to see them try because, especially during these times, um, you know, they've got a great opportunity here to get eyeballs on the American association. And I think it will really help them to, to grow this whole thing. Um, it, you know, it's a sad and, and terrible thing that we're going through, but they have an opportunity for growth um, with major league baseball, not kicking off for a while. And, um, and really having being the only game in town in terms of independent league baseball. So, and really at least for the next you know, couple of weeks, being the only game in town for, for sports that are, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I don't know when baseball and, baske- uh, baseball and basketball at uh, the major league levels are going to start up again, but um, certainly, you know, the next week or so um, is all American association. So I would have liked to see um, maybe some network stations picking it up. I don't know, perhaps they have, um, but that would be something that I would be interested in as well as this app and uh, online site.
0: Yep. So, uh, With that said, uh, do we have uh, anything else to say on the American Association, or do we think uh, everything's just about been said on it?
1: I think I've been. I think I've said my piece. Yep.
0: Uh, Either way, I'm looking forward to watching more baseball. Obviously, this has got to get edited, and once that's edited and out, that's pretty much my plan for the rest of the day is watching uh, the Fourth of July games and everything from there. So. I look forward to that uh, we'll jump to the plugs now and then get out of here uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram you could do so at indie ball Report. Uh, on Instagram you could also do that at indie ball James on Instagram you could follow us on Twitter at indie ball Pod. Uh, like I said those two social media platforms are where a lot of kind of uh, Split second decision making gets made, whether to put up prep notes as an article, whether to do a review of the the site and everything, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, that's normally where it gets done there. Um, regardless, so give that a follow, certainly, if you haven't already. Uh, you can pretty much listen to the show wherever you find podcasts. Uh, Tune in, Stitcher, Podomatic. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google play wherever you you can listen to podcasts you can listen to this show be sure to rate review and subscribe on those platforms as well uh, you can go to our website to see that the prep notes as an article and also all the content we make the videos the review that will hopefully come out sooner than later uh, all the podcasts uh, all the podcasts in general and the show notes are on indieballreport.com and also our YouTube channel indie ball report podcast you can find uh, the reviews and videos and whatnot we do. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add?
1: Uh, nothing left to add. Just glad to be back this week, and I'm really looking forward to uh, diving into some uh, actual baseball next week. Really getting into the nitty gritty and talking about these games, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to break down the different teams and the different guys. And just great to have baseball back. Uh, and everyone, stay safe. Make sure you're wearing your masks and washing your hands, and all that good stuff. Follow the CDC guidelines and everything. And uh, you know, we'll see. You, see you next week.
0: Yep, absolutely. So. Uh, I agree with all that. I'm happy to have baseball back. And uh, until next time, don't forget to play ball.